Hi everyone and welcome to the Pete Takos podcast. George Eliot said, it is never too late to be what you might have been. I'm Pete and each podcast I dive deep into conversation with my inspiring hand-picked guest. Nothing is off limits, I dig deep and talk about everything that makes them who they are to try and help you be inspired and motivated to unlock your own inner uniqueness and help you become what you might have been. So join me with today's special guest. Let's dig deep. In today's conversation, we dive extremely deep into the life of a man that's very high profile and a man of many hats and a lot of skills and talents. It's fair to say he had an immediate impact upon me. His open nature and genuine uh, ability to talk um, straight away hit me and he made it fairly clear that uh, he doesn't run via an agenda or a list of questions as I went into the conversation with. So immediately we, we changed our, or my approach to the conversation and it became a, a general chat and uh, we sort of went wherever that took us, which was quite engaging. We talk about um, the youth of today, the education system, how that's impacting our youth and how it perhaps can be changed or improved, the importance of mentors in, our, in young men's lives as well as women. We also talked about divorce and the impact that had upon uh, this guest and perhaps uh, how prevalent that is in society these days and, uh, and how we can handle that. A lot of issues regarding men in the media at the moment, we talk about those things as well, as well as some really defining moments in this person's life and he talks about how he handled those moments and really interesting listening with that as well. You, you, you'll become immersed in this conversation as I did. Uh, Dylan, my young friend who I coach in, in running, joined us in the first half of the, uh, the talk and provided a couple of really interesting questions to, to this person too. And his story, it's, his storytelling ability and how he answered these questions is really quite interesting and engaging. His, his ability to communicate and engage through his storytelling skills are quite unique. I learned an amazing amount from this person today and I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So sit back and listen and enjoy whether you're in bed at night or on a long run or in your car each day to work. Put it on and, and uh, I hope you learn some little things from this as well and it helps you become uh, the person you're meant to be. Radio, here we are, the Pete Takeoffs podcast, and we've got a special guest. So much to talk about with this guy, so many elements to this man, he's uh, very well-rounded. I'll just give you a bit of a snapshot. Dylan, you might not know a lot of this about this great man. Uh, I will revo- reveal that he was born in 1973, a very <laughs> young 44 years of age. AFL debut at 19, in 1992 at the age of 18, which is a very young age to debut in the AFL. Premiership with Carlton in 1995 versus the Cats, 178 AFL games. Regular star on the footy show. Dylan, you know about the footy show, but you wouldn't know this man was a natural and uh, a regular guest on the footy show. Well, you should. Do your research. <laughs> uh, he's, he's performed at the Comedy Festival, Fringe. He's done radio shows. Believe it or not, even competed in the Olympic blob, uh, bobsleigh. Bob 
bobsled in, on the World Cup circuit. We didn't make the Olympics. We were beaten by New Zealand, but they had some very disciplined sheep, so that was disappointing. <laughs> uh, was a goalkeeper in soccer. He's a motivator, podcaster, public speaker, author. It goes on and on. Co-founder of White Lion Nonprofit Organisation Assisting Youth in Crisis. So... You know, wow. It's unbelievable, Glenn. Well-rounded, That's mate. That's a crazy intro, and you haven't even said my name. Glenn Manton. Oh, goodness me. Right. Any applause? Do we get anything? <laughs> There's a cat sitting next to me here, and it's just licking itself frantically at the sound of my name. So I guess that's an endorsement. Man, I think that, seriously, is a very well-rounded, balanced sort of uh, profile. Uh, I know you... I feel like I know you very well from the footy show and watching you play and all those things. So I know your character... You know, I've done a lot of reading about you. You know my you, character. You think you a know lot my about character. You th- wow. Well, that's I know enough to know. Presumptuous, I reckon. I really know enough to know you've, you are very different. I'm different, I th- am I? And I think you like being different. Do I? And you, I know you're entertaining. Entertaining. You're okay. definitely entertaining. I will marry you by the end of this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off with a question for you, mate. Please. What's Glenn Manton all about? What does what he stand for? What, what does do he stand, I stand for? for? I'm authentic. I'm the real deal. I'm who you see each and every day, every single minute, every single second when I get out of bed until I retire for the end of the day. I'm me. I don't pretend to be anyone else. And I went through a very, very tough life lesson at the age of 17 that brought me to that realization that you can't be anyone else. You have to be yourself. And I've lost friends, money, time, opportunity as a result of being myself. And my um, ability to have convictions that uh, obviously reflect who I am. Uh, But I can't have it any other way. Uh, I don't live my life with disrespect to others, nor arrogance or ignorance. Although at that period of time that I just mentioned of 17, I did. Uh, And I I look to um, engage with as much of the world around me as I can. Thus the introduction that you put forward. I've got a pretty simple choice. I sit on the couch and I bask in my past achievements or lie back in laziness or I continue to push boundaries and opportunities beyond what people thought I could achieve and potentially what I thought I could achieve. Can we just ask so people know exactly 17 then so what what happened? I cut my right arm in half which is something I'm absolutely certain you didn't know. I knew it was pretty bad it was to do with hitting a window. I hit a window. Look at that. I've just knocked your little... Uh, That's right. Is that a camera phone? Is yes, that a cam- You've got a camera, camera on me yep. too here. Yep. I'm very, very sorry <laughs> about that. I just knocked you over and caused you to point up there. And that obviously ties in with the podcast. Yes. But now we're talking one-to-one. We're all happy again. And have a look over here. This is the cat that's licking itself. So there you go. Frantically. Although it was a little bit more frantic when... My name was mentioned. Yeah, that I one. Like that. I reckon Dylan is that how you that wanted one. it? Or you wanted pointed it, it at you. Yes. Oh, the arrogance and the difference of that. We've got that. on you here. You're happy with that? You've got, yeah. oh, look at yeah. that. Good. Well, we're all happy. Everyone's on film. That's we got great. A couple of different angles. So at the age of 17, yeah. I cut my arm in half, uh, my right arm, and I was told in <laughs> no uncertain circumstances by a doctor who was actually seconded from the UK, so he had no real business being in Melbourne at that time. He just happened to be here as a chance occurrence that uh, I would never use my arm in any way, shape, form again. He called me a fake. He called me a phony. He called me a fraud. Why did he call you that? On what basis? Uh, A 10-second analysis, visual analysis of me once he stepped into the emergency department. He was obviously uh, tired of seeing arrogant, indifferent teenage boys filled with testosterone and, um, and I guess, false values uh, come across him on a He's done well to pick that up in 10 seconds. Well, he he said to me, and I remember, he said in a thick English accent, you're a right joke. 
and he's told me it would take four and a half hours approximately to put my arm back together and he told me I would be the last person that he performed surgery on that night and I had a choice I could lie in that hospital bed and essentially wait for the surgery and uh, move on with my life the way it was or I could sit there or I should say more particularly lay there and think about who I was as a person and make some necessary changes and as he said he felt that my injuries were not physical mm. they were emotional and psychological what was going through your mind before you spoke to him and then what was going through your mind after that well i prior to the injury i'd taken on the values of what i thought an afl footballer okay. would have yep. so drinking uh i guess partying to excess uh, that arrogant, as I said, indifferent attitude to other people who couldn't uh, keep up with your abilities and or thinking, uh, which was really unusual because I didn't grow up in that sort yeah. of household. But you were I, on that path to AFL footy, uh, AFL player though? I was. I was on virtually every path you could imagine. So I was an elite swimmer. I'd just been given an opportunity to essentially go overseas and play baseball. Uh, football was at my fingertips. <laughs> I, I had the world of sports yep. in my palm and I could pretty much do whatever I wanted yep. to do and uh, I didn't lose I didn't lose at anything I yep. didn't lose at Monopoly I didn't lose the game of football I did whatever I wanted to do and in fact the year I went down to Essendon I think I'd kicked 80 odd goals from 12 games from centre half forward yep. so the ball was on a string life was on a string confidence was, ho- confidence was high confidence yep. was was not high. Uh, confidence was actually very low. Arrogance was very, okay. very high. Yeah. Indifference was very, very high. Uh, an internalised, selfish nature was very, very high. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, uh, in that sort of scenario, I excelled for a short period of time mm. because people enjoy that sort of attitude at a pinch. But when they realise that that's your core values and core beliefs then you tend to um, unstuck people and uh, unstick yourself. Yeah. And uh, as I said, I lost a lot of friends, I damaged my family, I damaged yeah. my schooling. You know, I was so lucky to sneak through year 12, given my behaviours. Yeah. So and after this guy spoke to you, what impact did that have on you? What were changed you thinking? my whole then? life. I, really? I, I lay there in a the hospital bed and I decided that from that day forward, every day for the rest of my life, so as you said off the top, I'm 44, even though I look about 25 thanks <laughs> to Nivea, uh, so essentially 30 years of my life, I've stood in front of the bathroom mirror every morning and I've asked myself one question based on colloquial Australian expression and that question is, are you fair dinkum? So are you for real? Yeah. And I've always been able to answer yes to that question and that's something that I just can't nor will I compromise for anyone else. So if that's something that makes me different, then so be it. I don't see myself as being particularly different on many, many levels. I see some of the actions of other people throughout the community as being particularly mm. different. Uh, if that makes me uh, someone strange, because I think there's a difference between strange and, and being different, well then so be it too. Yeah. You, you have to remember, you know, I'm covered in tattoos and piercings and all these sorts of things. In 2017, this is the norm. Yeah, this yeah. is the norm. Yeah, that's not as different. So as it, it used to be seen as different, mm. and there are always people who are future thinkers. And I know that I certainly regard myself as a, a future thinker, mm. and I know that comes at a cost. Yeah. So throughout time, there have been literally hundreds of thousands of men and women who have thought differently and been more creative, ahead of the curve. And sometimes the timing's right, and most often it isn't. Yeah. And they pay the price. Well, it must be. I when I said being different, I I see and with you particularly, is being different, is being bold, 
being someone that's not scared to stand for what they are, not not beckon now to, as you said, when you're 17, to what everyone expects you to be or you sort of think is important to people. So I, I definitely, from what I've seen over the years about you, is that, that that's what stands out to me, Thank that you. you are quite bold and, and that takes a lot of guts because you're going against the grain a lot of the time and it's pretty brave to stand. And I'm trying to draw similarities actually between you and the young fellow sitting next to me, mm. Dylan, he's a young kid that... Uh, extremely bold and you know if you want to say the word different if i want to say the word different or you know uh out there uh, confident now in in a good way yeah um so yeah i I like to draw similarities between people like that i like to talk to people like that and that's probably what appealed to me the most about you well absolutely right you touched on a a very very important point for your listeners and uh for us to remember around this table uh, kicking a goal on the mcg as an example only in front of a hundred thousand people it's not that important. Mm. Yeah, it really isn't. That's right. Nor is it that hard. You yeah. either kick the goal or you don't kick the goal. Yeah. But recovering from addiction, overcoming injury, be it physical, psychological, withstanding a, a difficult family upbringing, whether that's uh, abusive or a lack of funds, monies, uh, being knocked back from job interview after job interview when that's your desired field or, or pathway, or being struck with some horrible luck. These are real mm. accomplishments. Yeah, to really test your character. Forward. Absolutely, that is where your ta- character is is truly tested. And uh, that moment where the ball sails through the sticks—that's uh, that's very small in comparison mm. to what many many people. It becomes big in in, our, in people's minds, doesn't it? Those small moments. Sometimes we put so much pressure on those little things. And look, it's a lovely release. It's a lovely release on a Saturday for the average person to go to the football and and indulge in their players, mm. their heroes' uh, antics and abilities. Now in uh, 2017, 2018, both male and female mm. footballers and or athletes, which is fantastic. But sometimes we just need a little reality check to say, radio, that's sports. Yeah. It's yeah, a bit like the uh, foolhardy comparison that's often made between sports and war. Yeah, yeah. Uh, war. Yeah. It's a great yeah. quote, and and that is war is a far grimmer business. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, now you've got. I'm I'm going to tell your listeners what's going on here. You've yeah. got a absolute wealth of questions there <laughs> on a piece of paper inside a little uh, folio which I like that you've gone to that sort of length oh, Dylan on the other hand is just more or less freeborn on his yeah. side tell you, I went for a run this morning and I was thinking and I was like what can I ask him and uh, what'd you come up with I come up so obviously you work with the youth um, and a bit of, a bit of my background is I came up um, good family mum and dad always there good school um, and then I got to a point when I was 18 um, I rebelled did a few things um, a bit of addiction as well and it was only 18 months ago um, that I was in Bali with with my family and, and dad and I uh, had my kick up the ass so to speak I, uh, I nearly died and I kind of woke up the next morning and, yeah that's it and uh, I used that moment to kind of think all right enough's enough um, and I remember when I was doing all these things i always thought there's, there's got to be something better than this and i always wanted to break that mold but it's unless something happens and it gets brought to the surface and everyone's aware and you, you hit rock bottom and you're vulnerable it's it's really hard to make that change um and that's yeah i use that moment to to turn things around well i've given you a little bit of insight into what turned me around i'm asking you now just give us a quick snapshot what happened in bali 
Um, so I was battling um, with some addictions for kind of 18 months. Broke up with uh, my fiance. I think 20 days before I went to Bali, and it was Dad's 50th. And Pete and Dad grew up together, mm-hmm. so he was on the trip. Um, on the first night, I went out um, chasing some things to help that addiction. I uh, got robbed. Um, then the second night, I went out. Um, it got spiked. I got delivered back to the hotel, convulsing on a baggage trolley for a solid like 12 hours. I remember waking up and seeing mum and dad and just the hurt on their face. And I remember like snapshots of the night of both of them just being kind of hysterical. And everyone was in my room, my brother, his girlfriend, my mum, my dad. And I'd kind of spilled my guts through the night and told them everything. And then I said, look, I want to I want to make a, a change here. And mum and dad said, look, if you need to quit work, if we need to support you and you need to, to go into rehab, we need to get better, we're here. Um, and I said, look, I think I'm, I'm all right to do it. And um, later that trip was the last night. Pete came back with his son, and they said, "Oh, we did a, a 5k run in Bali." And I remember thinking, "5k's." I was like, "How do you, how do you do that?" And it just ignited something in me. And then I um, got back to Adelaide and went for a run, and just never stopped. Mm. Did um, two marathons this year. We just both did the New York Marathon, and I've used that as a something to change change my life. So I love that story, and I love the fact that you were able to overcome some demons, and no doubt still processing it because it really hasn't been a long time yeah the thing that fascinates me out of all of that is i went through a period probably from the age of 18 to roughly maybe 23 24 where i could go for a run yep at any time yep in any place and build lists in my head yep i'd build lists all the best cars i liked all the places i wanted to go and I'd actually argue with myself when I was running. I'd say, well, actually, I'd like to move that Cheval up the list. And I'd, I'd push this one back down the list. And then one day, it all disappeared. Yeah. And the next time I went for a run, all I could hear was every footstep. Yeah. So for someone with so much in their head as you would have yeah. on that first run, yeah. what did you do? Did you have an iPod in? Did you build a list? Did you sing a song? I had an iPod in. I remember kind of, I remember thinking, you're hurting now. I was like, but all the pain you've put your family through is nothing comparing to what you're going to be feeling. And every run, whenever I, I, I have a, a hard session or it gets really tough, that's what I always say to myself. Like, you've put people through pain that care about you. It's time to make yourself suffer and see if you're a man or a mouse and what have you really got it's it's easy to perform when things are going your way and everything feels good but when you're fighting that one person in your head for a, a time where you don't want to be there when it's getting really tough that i think is where your character comes out so you've got your playlist for every run you go on uh no i just do shuffle just, just go shuffle for around it, yeah. yeah what I are you got, listening to oh, i've got a bit of everything i've got a bit of whitney houston i've got the game i've got in Houston yeah I love old age use that stuff. one for a bit of a hill climb or something yeah I just it's whatever just uh, got it on shuffle and like just it. and go for it yeah okay alright I'm impressed by that I like that story that's, yeah. that's nice yeah. that's nice what about you mate Pete do you uh, do you run listening to the wind or do you um, have something in your ears if I go on a long run then I definitely have a, a whole lot of songs on shuffle but I also every now and then I like just to run like you're saying and just, just relax and just I don't know just not even think just sort of almost a bit of meditation think about the good things and not think too much just enjoy the wind enjoy that I can run you know I had a knee reconstruction last year so I really 
that really hit me pretty hard. And that no I'll, doubt you were told you would never run again. Yeah, yeah, and all, all your friends and family definitely say that that you, you, know, you shouldn't be running. It's gonna, you know, do this and do that. But no, I, I can. I, I generally like to listen to music on a long run, but on shorter runs, just enjoy it. Like, like you said, just listen to the, you know, the Peter Pan oh, on my feet. Let me make it very, <laughs> very clear. I don't do long runs. The longest yeah. I run is a kilometer. That's <laughs> yeah. it. No longer than that, right. but I run that rather quickly. That, oh, that's, it's funny you talk about this because it's been more interesting thing with Dylan. So I've sort of I'm coaching him a little bit, and I've, I'm trying to get him to appreciate running for the art of running, like just just enjoying it, not not thinking about lists or what he has to do. Well, or, is he a good runner? Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, very solid. He, he's he doesn't very, have a gimpy left arm that rotates no, and a head that wobbles. He, he or did have. Like he, he did have. Yeah, he had yeah. the head that wobbled. Yeah. It's just interesting <laughs> yeah. because I I like to we're obviously recording this podcast in Melbourne and I like to head into the tan track from time to time to just go for a walk, particularly with my girl and so forth. And uh, you look at some runners and their very poor techniques. Mm. And without being critical, the point I would make is it's almost harder to run like they're running yeah. Yeah. than it is to run correctly. And yeah. you think to yourself, how did you manage to learn to kick your hip out like that? Yeah. Or yeah. as I said, tilt your head to one side. How did you manage to do yeah. that? Because that looks like it's very, very hard work. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably run a little bit like that. But yeah, You've been overcompensating for, yeah, the, for, for the, the knee. The knee. Yeah, but yeah, you, you run quite smoothly. So Yeah, I remember when I first started and it, Pete would, uh, he had a calf injury or something and he'd follow me on my bike on a Sunday and I'd run and he'd yell at me from behind. Before I had a watch, he'd yell at me from behind if I was rocking my shoulders. He started running like a football, because I used to play yeah. footy. He ran and, then, um, yeah. and then from 18, I, I did my shoulder a couple of times. And then after a week, I just got fat and started to go out. And I got up to like 90 kilos and stuff. But when I started running again, he's like, you're, you're bobbing and you're wasting energy. Yeah. But he did pick up on that. Yeah, so he, he, he learns quick. That's you know, and, and I'm, addic- I'm addictive. That's what it is. That yeah. and that, channeling it is, the, is the key. That, his battle is with his running. He's more. He's so determined. Gets up so early, so regimented. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm and I keep telling him that, mate. I'm, I, I love that, and I love that you're good at it. And, and that's probably a trait I don't have. But I also want what I want to bring to you is that balance and that. Sort of, it's not. Sure. It's not just ne- necessarily about the routine and the consistency and the getting up early. In his stage, in his stage, he, he needs to learn to be happy about it enjoy it and that's i'm thinking long term you know so it's all about getting that right you know and that really interests me when you said that about listening to your footsteps and things they're the simple things about running you know so i try to bring that to you don't i yeah yeah that's where it was good because i'd i'd always push the boundary a little bit and then you'd be that hang on uh, (laughs) back it off a little bit you know he's always i'll tell him to do a 10k run he'll do 20 so i'm always having a go at him too too fast too fast enjoy it relax (laughs) easy run we've just become a runner's podcast haven't we so we've done (laughs) well any runners out there can now feel educated yeah by the three of us he's got a couple other questions so i'll get him to do that because he's going to take off early i um i feel now the youth the 15 16 year old kids i feel they're a lot worse now than they a were a lot worse yeah in what regard all the stuff you see on the news like the, the youth gangs and uh, a lot of the things that the kids are doing now and even i see i work um council and seeing the kids in the mall and even just little things like the kids hanging around smoking and and the disregard for authority can you any ideas as to why now they're so much worse than i don't i don't know that they are worse to be honest or is it just more televised with the meat social media oh, and the media is rampant in terms of its desire to want to fill time and yeah. therefore any small story becomes a big story any big story becomes a blockbuster and where young people are concerned there's always fear 
Yeah. And fear sells news bulletins, it sells newspapers, et cetera, et cetera. So to suggest that young people across the board are out of control and they're doing this and they're doing that is a tactic to generate viewership and, and readership. So yep. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, nor would I agree with the idea that they're smoking uh, at the mall and so forth. There's a lot of young people smoking behind the shelter sheds as we speak right yep. across this country, right across the globe. I've just come back from Wynyard in Tasmania, which is a fairly uh, low socioeconomic space and certainly has a lot of issue uh, with its family structure and so forth. There's, yep. there's a lot of issue around family there. I worked for the last three days at Wynyard High School uh, with year sevens, eights, nines and tens and I couldn't have had a better experience. Yep. I couldn't have enjoyed the staff and the students more than I did. And I pushed those kids beyond probably what anyone would imagine was potentially mentally and physically capable. Uh, for your listeners, I'm sure your listeners would imagine that a 30-minute presentation to some year sevens would be a fairly good mm. achievement to have them engaged mm. for 30 minutes. I had them sitting there for two and a half hours. Yeah. When I say sitting there, it sounds like they just sat there and, and you know basically rotted away. We exchanged information. We had real discussions. We promoted real critical thinking. We pushed some boundaries. We connected. We built relationships. We shared stories, real stories. And I feel, Dylan, that a lot of young people today are craving that sort of interaction, that attention, uh, that opportunity. But unfortunately, most of them are dealing with a school curriculum, yep. which is archaic. Yep. A lot of methodologies and practices, which are, again, archaic. Yep. So correct me if I'm wrong here. In 1990, no smartphones. Yeah. 2017, smartphones. Everywhere. Just an example. In 1990, school started at what time? Nine. Nine. In 2017, school starts at what time? Is it eight? Eight thirty. Nine. Nine. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. So my point is, in that scholastic space, we are so regimented in mm. historic thinking. It's no longer relevant to our young people. It's not relevant, in fact, to basically anyone in the community. That's just one example. Mm. So you've got one or two areas of the society that we're living in which are just ramping up at this incredible pace and a lot of other areas that aren't working in with them. And we're also, sorry to cut you off, Pete, you're just about to go for the microphone. We're also living in a society in 2017, as again, opposed to 1990, which continues, and every one of your listeners would know this, continues to have a higher and higher divorce rate yeah. You know, again, in 1990, there wasn't married at first sight, runaway bride, these just horrendous television programs all around love and connection and so forth. And I, I use those words uh, rather thinly in that case because they're nothing more than just bullshit television mm. shows. So, again, this is what our kids are being fed. Mm. And it's, it's sheer pollution. Yeah, so I, we, we can't expect I was going to say, I can relate to that, having two children... One's in year 11 now and the other one's in university. And I noticed that about the schools to me. Like it's, it have, have become, I think I read something you might have said somewhere, that they're numbers-driven and yeah. process-driven. Absolutely. And I, I, find, I found it hard to connect with the parents, uh, sorry, not the parents, the, the school staff. I'm wanting to connect and talk about my child particularly because you know, I'm paying for them to go there. And I couldn't get that connection with them. 
And I'm, and I'm thinking that's how the schools are perhaps teaching to the kids and not really connecting with them. And like you were saying, it, the phone thing is so big, the changes that we've had there, along with nothing else in terms of the school, like you said, the school hours and the way they teach and that. Um, what I'm really interested to know, do you have any ideas on how you would think that we should change that or move towards a different way? Absolutely. Well, you did allude to um, one piece of information that is from my website which is glennanton.com i've written an entire piece around this very subject some ideas as to how to change it look in a nutshell the actual degree that a lot of teachers achieve i don't think is very uh, useful in the world of teaching teaching is about building relationships it's about communication it's about having an understanding and knowledge of yourself and those people that you're working with and to think that uh, our teachers uh, step into a classroom with anything less than that is very disappointing. Yeah, so we so we need to start at the course that we're teaching the teachers. And, well, not only that, but we just need to revamp. I mean, who says that school shouldn't start at 11am yeah, yeah. and finish at 2pm? Mm. Like, and maybe fit in with the split families, like you're saying, with the part-time work and, and these types of things. Look, I just don't think we've got anything to lose because mm. certainly statistically the numbers suggest that our learning and our abilities are towards the bottom end. Like I said, I've got a 19-year-old lad who's very, very switched on. You know he's him quite a, he's well. He's a kid. Great kid. And I can see it just didn't engage him. It didn't connect him. And yes, he's into his sport, mm. but he's also not silly. He can read. He's quite smart, but he just didn't get connected with the school and engaged it just they they didn't engage him you know and, and not he's not the only one no and in all fairness schools can't be everything to everyone no. and there are no. many many good There's teachers examples. absolutely but sadly uh, i think we're lacking innovation mm-hmm. well, you would know you're getting out to a lot of schools well yeah, i speak you, in hun- literally hundreds of schools yeah. so i see it yeah. almost every day and, and look the good schools certainly relationships communications at the top of the tree and they have great results yeah yeah I, I like the idea of how do we reach kids at not the so good schools and, and the average school or, you know, different kids at different ages at different schools. I, 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 well, I, I'm trying to think of the bigger picture so we can get to everyone. Absolutely. And, and look, you, you would hope that, that some change can uh, be pushed forward. But you have to remember, too, uh, a lot of schools are really, really limited uh, by uh, their ability to, to work with what the government hands them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, and, uh, it's a tough system to it's change. It's very tough. And, yeah. and people listening then too would have heard a ringtone. And I, I just want to make very clear to everyone, we, we actually are on camera, uh, that there was no one around this table. It was actually yeah, the someone, cat. There's someone in the background. <laughs> no, the, there's the a cat, cat and a dog. The cat actually has a smartphone, which is extraordinary because uh, <laughs> I don't think it can afford to take the, the time to pay the plan. But anyway. Dylan, have you got another question for Glenn? I'm sure you've got a couple. Oh, I've got a couple. He's got one. He's... Well, he has, to, to, ask you, he has to get on a plane soon. I've, so heard, I've heard a nickname. <laughs> yes. The Bolt. The Bolt. Where does that come from? Well, it's really lovely that another man has an interest in my penis. So that's very, very cute that you, you're <laughs> taking interest in that. That comes from the fact that I have my penis pierced. Talk us through that. Was it well, painful? Like, what was the, the thought process? when? You, did you wake up one day and thought, you know what, I might get a... Dylan, quite sincerely, it's just like putting mag wheels on a Commodore. It's still a Commodore. <laughs> yeah. So it's just about dressing something up a little. If you want to know the actual factual story, which I've never been able to share publicly in a, in a media forum, which is a, is a great shame because it's actually, a, in my mind, a, quite an interesting story. So my auntie and uncle grew up uh, 
a house, or I should say I grew up around my auntie and uncle with a house in Fitzroy in Napier Street, which is ironic because my family house with my parents was in Napier Street, Strathmore. And uh, I used to think my auntie and uncle were fairly interesting, lateral people. And one particular occasion, I went around to uh, their house with my parents and uh, became a rather big family function. There were plenty of people there and I would have been about 12 years old and I became incredibly bored sitting around the table. So I uh, sort of snuck away and as a young person does, with every step I took I expected to be uh, corralled but no one was coming after me and uh, after a minute or two I realised I was free of this family function, I could do whatever I want. (laughs) So I decided I'd take off in and around the house and uh, as a young person does I snooped around and I had a little bit of a look here and there and I came across a bedroom a laundry and all the usual suspects and I wasn't terribly intrigued with any of that even though it was a very and still is a very very different house and uh, well designed and well uh, uh, kept and presented with incredible artwork and whatnot but I came across a library a small room a library and I went through this uh, library book by book. I was going to say, I'm captured by this story already. Yeah. <laughs> well, I went through this library as a 12-year-old. You've got to remember, I'm 12 years old. This is uh, Fitzroy 1985. This is a very, very different world. And this is not the Fitzroy of 2017 where everyone wants to live there. This is Housing Commission Central. Not that it isn't now. There's still a significant... Uh, number of people in housing commission but this is a very very interesting era this is punk rock this is uh, very very uh, again working class space uh, even though both my auntie and uncle are incredibly highly educated people I found the library I went through book by book and book after book after book I was gobsmacked there were books on sexual practice there were books on world travel there were books on piercing, body modifications, tattooing. There were books on everything. And with every book, I shuddered, turning the pages, looking at the door, wondering if I was going to be caught by adults and told that this was just way out of bounds. Because the things that I saw and read that day, I guarantee 99% of the world is not exposed to that, let alone a 12-year-old boy. But I saw all of this stuff, and I was completely and utterly intrigued. Wow. Fast forward to 2000, uh, sorry, to 2015. That's a a huge uh, exaggeration. Fast forward to the age of 15, and I happened to uh, stumble across a book called Modern Primitives. And it was one of the first books I ever bought with my own money. And this book, Modern Primitives, your listeners can look that up. It's an incredible journey. It's a series of uh, interviews and takes on various people, practices, from tribalization, scarification, body modification, piercing, tattooing. And I saw this book and I was just blown away by it. I had to have it. I actually bought it uh, on um, Brunswick Street Fitzroy from a bookstore, which is uh, sadly now defunct polyester bookstore. And I got this book home and I was just going through it and I was just like, this is extraordinary stuff. This is amazing. I'm just blown away. And again, I shelved it for a period of time. So we've gone from 1985 to 1988. Now we're fast-forwarding into the, uh, the 90s, the late 90s. And uh, I thought to myself, well, you know what? Sex is an important part of my life. I enjoy being sexually active. What can I do to sort of take it to the next level? Ah, well, maybe I could consider getting my penis pierced. That would be a rather interesting thing to do. 
And so I thought about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'd already had some other piercings and whatnot. And uh, one day before football training, so before football training on a Tuesday afternoon, I happened to be in Paran. I was heading past a, an establishment called the Piercing Urge here in Melbourne. And I thought, you know what? I've got the time right now. I'm going to go in right now and get my penis pierced. Bang. So I wandered in and I said, look, I'd like to um, have my penis pierced. They already knew who I was. And they said, you sure you want to do that? And I said, yeah, absolutely. No problem. I know what I want to get. I want to get a Prince Albert, et cetera, et cetera. They said, all right, well, you're lucky. We've got the time. You've got the money. Here we go. So um, I lay down and had my penis pierced. And to be quite honest, it was one of the most uh, overwhelming, enthralling, engaging, uh, exciting moments of my life. It was sheer adrenaline and sheer excitement to have this done. Uh, if I could have it done every day, I would because it was just that much of a rush. And it just took me back to that book, uh, Modern Primitives. And you think about uh, these things that our essentially our ancestors did whether it be throwing themselves off a cliff into a you know a sea of water or being hung by hooks as part of the Sundance ritual you look at these things and you think why would a human being do this mm. but all of us are craving that adrenaline rush that sense of purpose that moment where we count that something that excites us and and for Dylan in this space that he is in it could be a 20k run mm. and that's absolutely fine for someone else it could be seeing their daughter as they walk through the door after a long day's work this is all terrific but for other people you need to keep pushing the envelope further mm. and further and uh, on this occasion i pushed it to the point where i attended an afl football training session with a rubber glove attached to my penis because my penis was bleeding with my penis pierced and uh, i went through the entire session of pre-season training with my uh, penis pierced and a rubber glove attached to it and it, everything was fine no one knew anything about it it was all just uh, uh, by the by it was something between myself and at the time my my wife and uh, training finished and we were doing a cool down stretch and unfortunately the Carlton Football Club like most football clubs of the era tried to cut corners and save money wherever they could so one of the things that they obviously cut corners on was our pre-season apparel because it was kind of uh, uh, had the ability to disintegrate around you and the gusset of my shorts had already broken so I spent a lot of the training session you know, bouncing around externally anyway so as I lay down opposite some of my teammates to stretch my quads the gusset was broken and of course this rubber glove popped out of my pants which now made me look like an, I had an udder in front of my teammates and my teammates just said what on earth is that hanging out of your pants and I said well I actually just went and got my penis pierced and you could just the stunned silence on and the sheer amazement that yeah. someone had gone and done this uh it was it was just unbelievable it was very very funny so I concluded the session. Obviously, everyone gathered around like show and tell. I felt like I was back in grade one. Show and tell, here is my penis. Here, come and have a close look. Please don't touch. Step back. Okay, that's now going to cost you a dollar. And um, it became famous when, obviously, that became leaked to the press. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was... The footy show and everything else. It was, uh, yes, uh, showcased on Channel 9's footy show, famously making my penis one of the more... Uh, <laughs> 
I guess, successful, <laughs> successful stories of my life. Then, mate, that's an amazing story. <laughs> so well told, and, and what an understanding we do now have, Dylan. That's it, that's it. Can you share anything he, he wanted to know, didn't he? That, is a, great, that is a great answer. No, oh, look, I've, I've done some things, but I've, I've never... It's had... the worst thing you've done, or the most oh. exhilarating thing to make you feel alive or, or in that manner that Glenn, Glenn is talking about. What, what, can you think of anything? Oh. You've done a lot, from what you've told me. Mm, in a... Anything come to mind? Or? Oh, obviously, with an addiction, chasing that thing yeah. uh, daily is that, that same feeling, but it's, I think, having a, a positive one and a negative one. So as Glenn said, at the moment, it's the, it's the running and the endurance. It's yeah. pushing yourself to that limit where you, you start thinking, all right, here we go, we're in the, we're in the zone now. Let's, let's see how far we can push ourselves. But um, yeah, no, nothing quite as intense. <laughs> well, as the, f- the funny thing out of that entire story that's I think important for the listeners to take away if not yourself and something that I took away as a 12 year old going through that library which is where all this sort of more or less started for whatever reason whether it was the the point of time that I'd reached my level of intelligence my acceptance I'm not sure why but it, it became very very clear to me that day after going through that library that one person's end point is where someone else begins. What someone else sees as strange for someone else's common practice. That you can't judge somebody else until you appreciate and understand their thinking behind what they're doing. And without sounding trite or flippant to your audience, if you take the penis piercing as an example, there are going to be people who listen to this podcast uh, directly and or indirectly. They're brought to this podcast or this podcast ends up in mainstream media, which does not worry me at all, and say, well, that's ridiculous getting your penis pierced. And yet they're somebody who hypothetically puts a jug of milk on their head at the end Mm. of every day and and yells yells at the moon for five minutes everyone's got their vice well absolutely and it's not even so much vices it's the things that they're prepared to tolerate the things that they're accepting Mm. of with others themselves Mm. like it's just very very curious and you have to be very careful pointing the finger at other people because Mm. if your life was stripped back down yeah we could find all sorts of interesting things yeah, out about I, you. I, I think there's some good points there, mate. And that, that, that all gets back to you. You shouldn't judge people when you don't understand or if you need even, in a way, don't have what you're talking about, an emotional intelligence to sort of relate to what they're doing. So you, if you can at least be aware of that and not judge people, I think you're, you're halfway there. Now you've got poor old Dylan here. He's frantic. Yeah, we'll he, just he pause it. To, he wants to get to the airport, doesn't he? He's very, we'll very pa- nervous. We'll pause it for a moment, Glenn, and say goodbye. Do we have to Dylan. pause it? Do we, no, can we keep it going. We can we, say yeah. I, I want to say yeah. goodbye. For the record, I'm very obsessive compulsive with time. He is. <laughs> that's, my, that's my... I'm getting edgy. I'm getting very, very edgy. He wants to be at the airport on time. It's yeah. been a pleasure yeah. to meet you, Glenn. Likewise, my I friend. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Likewise. I'm sure we'll reconnect sometime in the future. I look forward to hearing this second part of this podcast will be a surprise to me as always so there goes dylan out the door to melbourne airport in uh, friday afternoon traffic which is not going to be a lot of fun for him at all because he's going to have to battle everything and anything to get there on time all right glenn well look mate thanks so far for what you input i'm I'm loving it it's actually fantastic um cheers well it was good to have dylan here but unfortunately he had to head to the airport and fly on back to South Australia which I guess yeah. in some respects is punishment enough yeah. isn't it he has to go back to South Australia no that's harsh I can't, compl- I can't, compl- I can't uh, object to that I reckon no you've got South Australia is a lovely a lovely place it really gets a bad rap South Australia I enjoy it as I said I've just come back from uh, 
Tasmania, and I enjoy Tasmania too. I, the, the one place that I probably don't get a lot out of from time to time is Western Australia. Do you do a lot in Western Australia? Um, I haven't been to Western Australia many times, only once or twice, a uh, long time ago. Mm. And I found it very similar to Adelaide in a lot of ways. I just find it a little bit transient, which yeah. makes it hard for you to build some good, solid relationships. Some great people there, but sometimes it's nice to have a bit more continuity with them. Yeah, I guess being so far away and different mindset with the, the mining booms and everything they went Absolutely. I think, and I think what you just touched on there is the reason why it's hard. Yeah. Because of those people who are in and out and in and out. Yeah. But uh, I'm, later on uh, in 2018, I'm hoping to do some work through the gold fields in Western Australia, which will be fantastic because I think that will be a genuine adventure. What, what sort of work is that? Uh, hopefully some work in schools okay, and yep. work with uh, Aboriginal Australia and so forth. Yeah, so I, that, I, that I did read very, that very about cool. it. So how have you got involved with the, the Aboriginal children? Is that, oh, is that an extension of what you do? It, with very much an extension yeah. of what I do. So I've worked with the South Sudanese community. I've worked with the Vietnamese community. I've worked with, obviously, Anglo-Australian communities. It really doesn't yeah. differentiate. So if people have the inclination to engage with me and want me to engage with young people, I'm happy to do that yeah. with whoever it happens to be. Yeah. Uh, the idea, as I said, to head into the uh, Goldfields area, Kalgoorlie and so forth, and work in those communities really is something different. So yeah. I'm very much about experiences. I'm very much about making connections and meeting people. Yeah. Uh, so that could be something in 2018, which is really, really exciting. In a different direction. Glenn, so on that, what do you, when you visit a school like you did in Tasmania, what are, you, what are you initially looking for at the start? Are you looking to sort of get a gauge on what these kids need or will you go there and think, well, I can, I'll add this and I'll just start doing this? Well, how, do, how, do you, how do you work through that? Well, if I've um, been employed by yourself in this little hypothetical answer, uh, I'm looking for timings and dates so we can understand how this is going to play out. And, and obviously time of the year makes a big difference to yes. this, as does time of the day. Uh, let's just say you've asked me to come uh, at uh, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday to your particular school. I'm going to be there well ahead of time so I can just get a sense and feel of the school. Yeah. I'm just going to ask them very simple questions around where things are at and whatnot in terms of the, the school's uh, heart rate, if you like, if it's accelerated, mm -hmm. if it's decelerated, if it's stable, if it's stopped. And um, from there... Are you able to get a good gauge on that now yeah, quickly? I yeah, look, I've been doing this for so long, whether yeah. it was back in the day when I was actually teaching or, as I've said, uh, travelling from school to school for essentially the last 20, 25 years. So yeah. I've had lots and wow. lots of experience doing this. And uh, from that point, you're looking to basically set the room up, the space up, in a way in which the audience is almost forced... Uh, in a very subtle way to interact with you. Mm -hmm. And given the fact that uh, the modern audience, not that probably those of times gone by gave you a whole lot more, but given the fact that the modern audience will probably only give you a minute oh, yeah, yeah. to give to them something, them. Yeah. if they're not happy with you after that first minute, you're probably dead in the water. Yeah. So you have to be able to present yourself physically in terms of the way you look, what you wear, how you wear it. Uh, aesthetically in terms of maybe some of the uh, eccentricities of your person, whether it's jewellery, your hair, your tattoos, whatever yep. it may be. And then in terms of content and pop flavour, et cetera, et cetera, you need to have something that has that audience mm. say, hang on a second, mm. that minute wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You have that ability. I watched your, your TED talk and your animation and ability, as we've found out now too, to, to engage through telling a story 
Have you always had that? Or have, yeah. you, have you worked on it? Oh, it's definitely something that's been uh, honed over yeah. the years and still requires more work. When did you first learn that you thought you had that ability uh, or realise there was... When a, I was 12. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, pretty young. To yeah. So when I was 12, I was the school cricket captain. We lost the last uh, game of the year, being the grand final, to our arch rival, Strathmore North. I was representing Strathmore. Trevor Corrie, the principal, a big man, six foot two, six foot three, cast a large shadow over me post game and said, uh, "Come Monday, you'll address the entire school and explain yeah. why we lost this grand final." And for a uh, an eleven year old, twelve year old boy, that's a frightening prospect to stand in front of at the time roughly five hundred and fifty people Jeez. and explain why you lost the school career yeah. grand final. And he didn't say it in particularly caring fashion. He wanted me to address the school and explain, because he was a cricket fanatic, yeah. why we'd lost this game to our arch rivals. And I stood up in front of the school on that Monday morning uh, behind the lectern and I began speaking to them. But after a few moments, I decided to shelve my speech and step around the lectern and speak freely, openly and honestly about the truth of the matter. Yeah. And that's something that I did with ease. And I noticed the air go out of the room, the wow, connection so, that was made. So it's not prepared. It's, you just no. got up there and that's no, so I've, powerful. Uh, yeah. you know, as we keep referring to, I've just come back from Tasmania. Yeah. I've literally spent three days talking in schools and not one note was at yeah. all accessed for that entire time. Wow. That's not to say that I don't have a wealth yep. of reference in my head. Yeah doesn't mean to say that I don't have marking points in mm. my head right I want to get to this I need to get to that that has to happen here yeah but that's one of the big disconnectors in a school and or any public presentation right I'm stepping in there's 50 100 150 500 people in the audience they're all going to relate to my PowerPoint presentation in the same way yeah. I'm going to ask the same questions it just doesn't work like that yeah, yeah. every time you step out it has to be bespoke because the audience is bespoke the yeah. audience deserves that yeah. the environment deserves that you need to have content that's flexible that's fluid that's malleable to those audience members mm -hmm. it's not about you uh, suffering through something uh, for their benefit mm -hmm. it's a uh, it's something that you're trying to give the most dare I say it, authentic performance you can. Mm. And uh, your listenership here wouldn't be aware, but you actually sent me a text with some notes, yep. things that you wanted me to go over. In fact, if mm -hmm. I access my phone here, the opening line that you wrote to me in terms of the information that you wanted uh, to share was, let me have a look here. In prep for Friday, would you mind thinking about the following? As soon as I read that, I put it away. And I've even reached the point now with my Q&A time and, and a couple of the different workshop styles that I have with young people, I actually leave the room and allow them to talk about me and create their questions so that I can't hear any of them. Yep. Because I feel like that's almost shortchanging them. If I hear a young person say, mm. well, we want to ask him about his tattoos, well, I can just sit there and say, well, this is what I'll say, this is what I'll say. You start scripting what, what, what the answer is. I'd rather yeah. than say, yep. bang, this yep. is our question answer that yep yep okay right yeah. and, and, I, and I guess what you're, you're going to get a more authentic answer aren't you because you're not absolutely not going to be able to prepare and, and try and you're, so, put you're that going to have to 
work on yeah. the spot towards providing that audience with something that's of genuine benefit to yeah. them based yeah. on their question. And yeah. I personally think that's invaluable. Yeah, yeah. If anyone wants to say that a PowerPoint presentation is more valuable than that, well, then that's no, their no, I, prerogative. I, I, but I, I, to me, that's not yeah. the right vision. I agree 100% with it. And I've said in, in those lectures where people have followed PowerPoint presentations and not engage with the audience. And it is. It's, it's sequential. It's, it's analytical. It's boring. And I can see here sitting with you, experiencing the way you tell or say what you're saying. It, it does. It comes across incredibly authentic, like you're saying. And, that, and even that's a, a word that we all use, but the message gets across. You know? And I reckon that's Absolutely. what, you, that's what you, you can do. And the thing that I love doing in my sessions, uh, more than <laughs> hearing myself speak, is I love, and I've designed most of my workshops to be of this nature, mm. I love working from the inside out and I love hearing the stories of the people in the room. Yep. Yep. I picked up from my trip to Tasmania, personally, probably about six mm -hmm. small nuggets of gold. Yeah. Yeah. What's one of them? Can you share one of them? I just asked a young man what his most treasured possession was and instead of saying his cricket bat, he just said grey nickels. <laughs> it was the way he said it. He said grey nickels. Yeah. And I was just gobsmacked. I was really taken aback by that. Wow. And I just said, that's really, really beautiful. And I asked another girl if she'd sell her most treasured possession. And she said, no, I'm not selling it at all. And I offered her various levels of money for her treasured <laughs> possession, which was me being facetious mm. and driving home a point. But at one stage, she said, listen, I don't need your money. And I don't want your money. And it was the way she said, and I said, you don't want my money. I said, you're a young lady, you've got no money. She said, I'll let you know that I make plenty of money each week with my part-time job, and I don't need your money at all. Wow. And the arrogance, there was a yeah. degree of arrogance. Does that engage an ego in you? Do you have an, a much of an oh, ego, do you think, or not? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was blown. I said to her, flat out, I said, that was just incredible. Yeah. I loved listening to that. I said, you've inspired me now, you've... You've really hit me for six. And, uh, but you're and that, saying that from a really genuine and sort of caring way rather than the ego uh, sort of saying, oh, I, this little upstart. Or, no, you know. I, I loved her. She yeah. was an absolute superstar. Wow. And there was another young girl, young year seven girl, who um, had cerebral palsy. And uh, at least I believe it to be cerebral palsy. So I'll say that in, in brackets. Yeah. Um, and she nearly made me cry for the first time since 2010. The last time I nearly cried publicly in one of those sessions was 2010. Seven years, that's a while. But she came close to pushing my buttons with what she was saying about her life and yeah. whatnot. And uh, she ended up shadowing me for the next uh, couple of days, yeah. which was really, really beautiful because she was a very, very cool chick. And yeah. I don't have one even skerrick of, of pity for her. Yeah because I don't think that's what she'd want, but that's not even really what I feel for mm. her. Mm. I probably have pity for all those people who have much greater ability in terms of their physical yeah. outlooks and just don't use it. Yeah. I mean, this girl, I can still picture in my mind basically dragging herself around the school here, there and everywhere, and uh, you know, I was just blown away by her. So there's yeah. three straight yeah. off the bat. Do you come across any that you see maybe a young yourself like young Glenn Man if you come across Matt you'd have to I guess see all yeah, types is there any that you think yeah, I see all types and and there are people who obviously reflect my values and my person and so forth mm. uh, ultimately we won't know uh, if they've got my abilities my qualities or better than and hopefully they are better than mine I, I, guess, uh, until I guess some like maybe a young man who 
you can just see he's up and about and he's on a path of a certain Absolutely. sporting career or Absolutely, you know. but people don't understand just how hard I and other people with my character and values and, and outlook have worked to get to where we've yeah. got. And I'm not just talking about football. I'm talking mm. about going through a horrific divorce in 2010 and yep. and being put in a place where a lot of men become fractured and don't mm. recover. Yep. But I was able to weather the storm and move through it. Yep. And we're talking about overcoming an arm injury. How did you get over your divorce, mate? Oh, How did that's, I... a, that's a question a lot of men think about. They, mm. they don't really want to... How do you put it? They don't want to leave their family or they don't want to split up with their wife or they don't want their wife to leave them. And a lot of the guys, I've seen a lot of guys get really well, it's down. It's really, with really interesting, isn't it? And I think it's an interesting uh, conversation to have, Pete, in the, in the fact that we live in this is going full circle back to our earlier educational mm. conversation. We live in a society where our young people, uh, you as well, would have spent hours and hours and hours uh, falling over Pythagoras' theorem. Oh, yeah. True? Yes. Yep. Maths, math, math, mathematics, many hours, being so analytical. <laughs> I'll ask you, when was the last time you used it? Oh, never would I've used anything near that. The basics, yes, and but never anything near and it. Most, again, of your listeners would be the same, yep. I'd suggest. Yep. And yet, again, according to statistics in this country, our divorce rate's up around 45% or something like yeah. that. Maybe it's greater. Mm. My understanding, it's around 45%. Let's just call it 45%. Would it not be smarter to have our young people learn about divorce mm. and coping with divorce yeah. and coping with change? And yeah. I think you hit the, the nail relevance. on the head there. Coping with what happens rather than, well, how do we make them better so that they do this or do that? Well, how do you cope? How do you take well, change? How do you handle it? How do you deal with it? Adapt to it. There's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of time that we could invest in this conversation, mm. and this podcast would certainly uh, last for three or four hours. But um, can at least maybe ask Glenn how you how you deal with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, one would of the advise. things that I did. One of the things that your listener listeners may I'm assuming there's more than one. <laughs> your listeners uh, may enjoy hearing is that I. I reached a point during my divorce, the process of divorce, which is horrific in this country and mm. really needs <laughs> almost a, yeah. uh, a national inquiry because it's an absolute joke, particularly with what happens to a lot of men, yeah. I think. I think it's very, very unfair. Yeah. I think there's a lot of loving fathers out there and the system, not necessarily the women, but the system is weighted so fair, uh, unfairly against the mm. men yep. that inadvertently destroys their relationships with children and so forth. So that's a story or a discussion for another day. But mm -hmm. the story I would share with you now is I was at a point after my divorce where I literally had $100. I'd, I'd figured out I had literally $100 in my pocket which I could spend on anything. You're saying you had that was your last money? Is that I, I had a hundred dollars. Money was frozen. Yep. I had other monies that was unfortunately going into a lawyer. Yep. Which something that I didn't want to do. Mm. But unfortunately, I, yep. uh, I had to pick up a shield for myself and mm. for my children. Yep. Uh, mind you, I was the one who applied for divorce, but that's by the by. Yeah. And you have three so, children too. Three don't children. You? Yep. And I had this $100, I'll never forget, $100, this is beyond the food, beyond paying the bills, this is $100. Yeah. And uh, again, for your listeners, I'm not driving a Porsche around, I don't live mm. in Turak, uh, in, a, in a $10 million house. Uh, we're recording this in the western suburbs of Melbourne, where I live. Yep. 
and I've had a good life. So we'll preface this conversation too by saying, I'm, you know, this isn't a sob story. This mm-hmm. is just what I did. So I had $100 which I felt I could spend on whatever I wanted to. And I remember, again, I remember exactly where I was. I was on Chapel Street in Paran. And I thought to myself, well, I could spend this $100 on alcohol. I could spend it on an expensive meal. I could buy myself some new shoes or I could do whatever I want with this $100. And I thought, the only way I'm going to survive this divorce is if I find a way to really, really restructure my life beyond where it even was. And my life's pretty structured on many levels, very disciplined. Mm -hmm. And I thought, one thing I haven't done for a long time it's ironic now that I'm thinking about this given what we've spoken about one thing I haven't done for a long time is run long distance so I haven't been running long distances Mm. at all I've been running hill sprints and all this sort of stuff and all my power weights and Olympic lifting that I enjoy but I haven't been running long distances and I thought look if I start running long distances there's 20 minutes 30 minutes of running Mm -hmm. there's 10 minutes of prep yep there's 10 minutes of cool down. There's an extra half an hour of stretching and probably an extra half an hour of icing. Before you know it, your time from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. or 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., that's now structured for you. Yep. You've now got something to look forward to in this day and you know what's going to happen and you can control this. Okay. And you can blow off some steam here and you can think. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have a wail at the end of it and have a cry when you've got home, you can have a wail and a cry because those endorphins are uh, yep. pumping through your veins. So I actually remember clearly going into the local, or should I say the, the rebel sport in Paran's hardly my local uh, rebel sport, and uh, purchasing a Timex watch for roughly $95. And I bought that watch with the intention of running and run I did Mm. and I ran 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 I wouldn't say I overran but I ran consistently at least every second day good distances and against all that formula that I just mentioned yeah I'm and guessing with you, there wasn't like a goal. No, I'm going to run a marathon. No, I'm, I'm, not at you, all. You didn't, you didn't the, want to the goal was surviving the divorce. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's funny because I, I ended up going on a, a trip overseas uh, a few years later. It would have been 2000, maybe 14, 15. And I took the watch with me. Yeah. And the idea was, was I'd never been overseas on my own. And I wasn't particularly interested in going on my own, but circumstances changed and I ended up going... On my own, I thought I'd fulfill the obligation to this trip. And I took the watch with me. And the first time I went to run with it, essentially, was in Sweden. And I noticed that the watch had stopped. And the watch wasn't going to recover uh, without some investment in it. Mm. And then I thought to myself, has the watch done its job? (laughs) And the conclusion was yes. So if anybody goes to my Instagram account, which is just Glenn Manton, two ends in Glenn, I'm not sure why I think it's good for Scrabble. <laughs> but if you go to my Instagram account, you'll actually see a video of me casting that watch into a lake in Sweden. Wow. And that, yeah. was, that was a very, big very moment. big moment. Yeah. It was. And, yeah. and Instagram and so forth uh, can be overvalued, undervalued. Yeah. But quite sincerely, you can <laughs> choose to follow me, not follow me, choose to take an interest in my life, not to take yeah. an interest in my life. But that is one 30-second video. Yeah. 
which is absolutely for real. Right. And and that moment was very significant in my life because I remember hesitating, thinking, should this watch, you know, meet its uh, final resting place on the bottom of this lake? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I've just got to go down there and throw this watch away. So how long was was that gap between when you bought the watch and... It would have been roughly, roughly five years. And, and obviously, it took five years, do you think, to for the running to get the desired effect, or it just got you through six no, months? Yeah, no, look, I probably ran distance for 12 to 18 months yeah. before I realised that that had yeah. done what it needed to do, and I needed yeah. to go back to the sorts of training that I yeah. like, to, like to partake in, which is shorter stuff, 400-metre running, this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's impressive, man. I, I love was, that story. I really it was, it was an interesting story to, to share with you here today because yeah. I haven't really shared that terribly yeah. much publicly, but it, it is incredibly important for men and women that mm. they are mentally and physically well during that period of divorce because yeah. unfortunately, in inverted commas, shit does happen yeah. in our lives. And look, people do change and times change. And I can understand that not all relationships last, but for the sake of those children... Mm. we need to do our best to find the most critical pathway of support for them during yeah. that rough time. Yeah. And when mums and dads are indulging in drugs, alcohol, mm. any other unsavoury behaviour in order to cope, it's not good. Yeah. I don't uh, point a finger at those people because I can appreciate the sheer pain. Glenn, I'd be the first to say as a parent, it, it's hard enough to raise a happy, balanced family and keep your marriage where it's... Sh- no, uh, it should be, it's not the word, but where it would, no, be, where would it be nice be to fine, be, where, think, where it yeah. would be nice to be. But it's hard enough doing that when you when I'm in, sort of into sport and, and fitness and, and motivating young men and, sure. and those sorts of things. So my lad, I do spend a lot of time, and my, my daughter, working on those things. I, I really feel for those kids that are in a family where there is alcohol and and people that even struggle just to hold down a nine-to-five job and these type, types of things. I, Absolutely. I don't know how they do it, to be honest. Well, it's, it's, it's very, very tough for those young people and, and those families too. It's, it's a curious world that we're living in and we, uh, we're ultimately going to pay the price for our indifference towards it. Mm. Well, but you've, you've put up a damn good point. If we can get to these kids like you do at school age and teach them those specific, more specific skills or more relevant skills to handle what change is coming to them and go home and think, okay, that's a stress and that's a change, but I don't need to go and drink myself crazy or do this. I, I, I've learned from someone like Glenn or a mentor or mm. somebody that this is another way to at least try and handle it, you know, and think that way. I well, really believe that. Use, we can use alcohol as a, as a discussion point here. I think it's more, more important than any of us realise to actually engage with young people mm. and for that matter people in general mm. and discuss how you drink alcohol because yeah. I'm not against drinking alcohol yep, same what I'm yep. against is that most people don't have a plan yeah and for Pete on one side of this table where this interview has been conducted that plan could be five schooners mm. <laughs> and Pete's happy the world's happy with Pete he's had a wonderful night because it's a great social lubricant mm-hmm. For Glenn, it could be three vodka and rum, yep. you know, mixes or something. Mm. And that's it for him. And you've got to come up with a plan that works because mm. uh, the male, particularly the male-to-male bonding that happens over a drink is mm. a positive thing. Yeah, yep. and we don't have a lot as much as that these days. No, that's, we that's don't. And 
I, again, rather than condemning it and saying it's a bad thing, why can't we talk about it? Why can't we share uh, stories around it? Why can't we educate people to make decisions that are right for them and have the strength to mm. uphold those decisions? Uh, because the idea that any young person is just going to abstain from alcohol mm. is, well, it's, it's going to be a huge challenge. It's in fact, re- I, I met someone just recently who was a couple of years younger than me uh, in very similar circles to me, and she explained that she's never had a drop of alcohol in her mm. life. Okay. And I was shocked. Yeah. I was just like, wow. Not in terms of you haven't drunk, as in, geez, what pressures have you survived yeah. Yeah. not to have a drink? Yeah. So that's what I'm interested in. It's you interesting know. because young Dylan will... He's yes. not here, but um, so he now has gone cold turkey on drink. He won't drink. Mm. Now, interesting to get your thoughts on this. My thoughts are, and I, I've talked to my wife about it, and my thoughts are, I actually want him to have a drink. Oh, I would agree with you. I actually I want th- him to sit with me and have a beer and say, you know what, I can only have, only need one. Or one's great or two's great. I was, that's my goal with him. I don't know if I've ever told him that. No, and I think it's it'll be good when he listens back to this yeah. podcast to hear that because I think that is a more productive way forward yeah. so that he has control of everything rather than tipping the scales to a point yeah. where it's it's out of his reach or yes. out of his thinking. I'd rather he said, well, I can touch anything I want, but I control exactly. how I touch it and how I use it. He, so He is aware that he's doing it and he's aware of, okay, yeah, I know I shouldn't be, and, but I have to. He, he's, he's, he does have that conversation. So that's Maybe he'll come to it I think in he his will, own yeah. time. I think he will. So yeah. I went for nine years without even having a single piece of chocolate. <laughs> not even the smallest piece of chocolate. Well, that's harder, I reckon. Well, <laughs> the funny thing that happened was that I probably had a, a, a mini, 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 so a, the most minuscule mental breakdown over it in the sense that one day I basically just cut sick uh, as I was driving and ran into a milk bar and demolished some caramello koalas before I'd even paid for them. And the shopkeeper was an Asian Vietnamese man. He came over to me and he said, uh, well, you're going to pay for these? And I said, yes, I am. I'm so sorry. I haven't eaten chocolate in nine years. And he just looked at me and he just said, you are an idiot. <laughs> and he, he was absolutely uh, right. Yeah. I was a complete idiot because I'd tipped the scales in yeah. such an aggressive fashion yeah, yeah. that I'd... I'd precluded myself from having this enjoyment should I chosen to have a, a rash almost a rash or quick decision well and, yeah. and the more I unpacked it the more I thought to myself here I was at a six-year-old a 12-year-old an 18 year old's birthday party being offered one piece of cake and if I liked the cake I'd be saying no to it because I felt like that was a sign of weakness yeah 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 but that was almost now that I reflect upon it was almost a sign of disrespect to the people there yeah. they've got you at their party they'd like you to have some fun you've hit the nail on the head so yep. could I have just had yep. one if I liked the cake yep. that's the premise I yep. don't like every cake but no. if I liked that cake with a little bit of chocolate on it could I, could I have had it yeah. and I think that comes back to your point with Dylan if he's happy if he's in an enjoyable space with people that he likes and trusts being around socially and someone offers him a beer and he feels like he'd like to have it mm. well then it'd be nice that he has the strength of having the option there for yeah, and, that, and that's probably what i haven't sort of been able to uncover yet whether he deep down he says to himself oh, you know i would like to enjoy beer with you mm. but he but the overriding thing is no i can't jump mm. you know, i can't get get off that way you know, you know i can't you know, I can't give in to it. I want to be an elite athlete. So which, is, which is admirable. Uh, but yeah. I do think an elite athlete, the most elite athletes, have a good balance. Yeah, I think you're right there. And yeah. as I said with that story, I know that 
with that example, my balance and many others, my balance was incorrect. Yeah. But yeah. I guess, in all fairness to myself and anyone else listening, sometimes you think you're doing the right thing. Yeah, that's right. This leads me to something else we were talking about. We, I, I thought about when we were talking, with young men particularly. Are we, at the moment, we talk about trying to talk to these kids in the schools and get to know them. And we talked about a young man, a couple of men having a beer together. Are we, getting, are we going down a path at the moment where there's a lot of man bashing in the media and focus away from men? And that connects to with if they're divorcing or feel like they're under the under extreme pressure. Are we I think I understand what you're alluding to. And if we're on the same page, I would say yes. Yeah. It seems like every second day, men are copying a bad rap for something. And we used to encourage men to have a drink together and go to the footy club and have a beer up, but that that's not done anymore. I think a man in 2017, 18 could be rightfully very confused yeah, about that's what I'm thinking. who he yeah. is and yeah. uh, what his place in the community is and how he should go about his business. And mm. I think it's fantastic. I really do think it's fantastic that women uh, have become, uh, I guess, more prominent in the recognition of who they are and their abilities and so forth. And uh, let's be honest, there are just some extraordinary women uh, in our modern society as there always have been. But I don't want to see the progress of women be at the expense of men, Mm. nor do I want to see man's progress at the expense of women. I'd, I'd just like maybe the focus to be more around people. Yeah. Yep. You know, who are we as people and, and what are we trying to achieve as a collective here and how do we respect everyone and grow everyone? And that means looking, to me, that means looking at the, the great things about women and the great things about men and how do we facilitate both. I, I do agree with that. And, and look, I'm, I'm not s- suggesting I'm an expert about what I'm about to embark on in terms of conversation here, but it seems like the idea of a man as a hunter and gatherer isn't really that old. No, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're not far away from that hunter-gatherer slash warrior type mm. space. So it, it does appear to me to be interesting to think about what happens to the man slash the teenager slash the boy who has that innate feeling with him that he is the warrior, mm. that he is the hunter. Yeah. He is, what, what does he do? moving forward mm. because and does it just have to be sport what happens if there's no sport there well, well then exactly. how, do we... how, how does he engage yeah. with, with that feeling within him and with the community because you, look you no longer can uh, you know go out and look for an eye for an eye in a fight or yeah. anything like this so you, you know there's, there's a lot of tension I think in young men yeah yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you're worried about: Do I hold a door open? Don't I hold a door open? What do I mm. do here? How? So it, there I is a lot of tension. You're right, and I see it on a lot of Facebook comments. From some of the comments I see now that boys, men are making, I can see the frustration, the anger. Where do they get that out? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You and know? there is a lot more. I, I, as you know, I work as a fireman, and I we see a lot of things, and we go to a lot of different incidents. And there is a lot. There seems to be a lot more. I don't know if there's a lot more, but there is a lot of gang fights and men still hitting men from behind and mm. there seems to be a lot of that and I'm just wondering whether a couple of things with the violence we see now so readily on YouTube and things combined with a bit of anger and divorce and lack of mentors mm. is that building you know I, I, I certainly think that male to male storytelling is an area that needs a lot of consideration because I don't think a lot of young men spend a lot of time with a lot of older men mm. hearing great stories yeah. and I think great stories make a big difference yeah 
I do think that there is a confusing aspect for young men, particularly today, as to where they stand in the community. Mm. How do they act as a young man, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Have you had um, any examples with the guys yeah, you've seen? Just, in I was schools? just yeah. thinking of one then with a, a young man that I, I was asked to work with in a school who was in enormous trouble with the police around sexting. Yep. Uh, this particular incident, which I, I'll be careful talking about, mm. but essentially he was in trouble for sexting uh, with his, I'll call her his part-time girlfriend. Yep. And his comment to me was, I wrote nothing different this week to what I wrote last week. Yep. And last week it was fine. Interesting, yeah. So yeah. it caused enormous grief. Uh, yeah. I hope, I, I, I'm not privy to the outcome, but I hope he didn't end up on the sexual offenders yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, I hope his family didn't you know, lose incredible amounts of sleep and, and have incredible levels of stress as a result yeah. of it, let alone the young lady's family, yeah. because she's entitled to her prerogative too. Mm. But from my position, I tended to understand his position of saying, hey, I sent a very similar message last week yeah, and I yeah. got a very different result. Yeah. So there's confusion there for him, isn't well, there? Well, real confusion. Yeah. And certainly in, in my own world, it made me think, wow, you better be careful about what you say using this yes. particular device, yeah. being the smartphone again that we've touched on earlier. So, But it's not just smartphones. It's it's being out socially. It's, it's, it's a very strange world, I think, for young men and mm. young women. But isn't uh, it a times. different world, Glenn, to just to text yeah. something and quickly you're not even handwriting it and taking your time to write it you, those this young man is sending something that he's probably sent for a week maybe be six months with some and he's probably done in between doing this and doing that Possibly. anyway hasn't even thought about it and it's gone you know and it's caused trouble, trouble. And, and look yeah. you know if we take it away from a, a male female scenario and, and around something as difficult as sexting to, to get our heads around mm. we could bring it back just to a, an instagram post between you and i mm. and you make a comment on it Mm. and I'm in a bad mood or yeah, something yep. and I don't like that comment and all of a sudden escalates. It, it escalates yeah. into who yeah. knows what versus another day where mm. you make the same comment, I'm in a good mood, mm. I like the emoji you've used. Mm. So it's, again... It's a totally different... I don't want to go, again, ground. full circle back to it, but I can't understand why we're not spending more time educating mm. young people in particular around this yep. and having really good robust conversations with the people that count in these spaces so that you know all the key players the the stakeholders are on the same page mm. you know parents yep. and their kids are on exactly the same page yeah it seems to be a bit of a armrest at the moment between men women about how we do do that, I, I think. And it's probably just media-driven. So it's probably not there, but it appears that way. Well, maybe it's media-driven media. and, and leadership-driven. Yeah. You know, I think most people would agree the vote that we just had around same-sex marriage, like, what an incredible waste of money. Mm. Why have we not got a, a leader strong enough to say that just if to, two yeah. people are in love, That's right. why can yeah. they not go down that path mm. uh, it's it's very very sad that we had to go through that process mm. and I'm, I'm very very happy for those people who are uh, wanting to express their love to one another in, in that form that they're now able to do mm. so but Definitely, at yeah. the same time again as many people have said so I won't bang on about it too much we just shouldn't have had to have gone through mm. that yeah but I, I just agree. I can't help but think we just don't have 
strong leaders, mm. reliable leaders, yeah. leaders who we really uh, would um, fall over backwards for. My mother used to often say, you know, would you uh, take a long walk off a short pier for that person? Mm. And I can't think of one political figure, literally globally, um, I don't know enough about the, the German uh, political party system and, and Angela Merkel as a person, but she seems to be possibly the one person that I look at and think, oh, she kind of comes off like she's a bit of a mm. hard ass and she's straight up and down. Maybe I would you know, potentially yeah. follow her. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know enough. But certainly you've, you know, you've got a world of Don, Donald Trump and mm. whatnot. It's, 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 it's desperate. I mean, imagine for us... We can we can at some point calculate our way through that, but a young person looking at Donald Trump, mm. I mean that's it's, oh, it's crazy. truly disgusting. Yeah, it is, I agree. Yeah, it's crazy, really. Mate, as a, a youngster or even now, what you've you're obviously you've obviously developed great leadership skills. You know what you're doing is leadership, really. Have you learned off of people, or who have you learned off the most? Was your dad a leader? Did he teach you some of these skills, or is it something you've just wanted to do and you've developed yourself to get to that point? Well, once again, I'm very, very observant. I, I watch what, again, to be very clear, what men and women do, mm. what people of all sorts of races, colours, creeds, sexual uh, standings, whatnot. I watch people, yeah, and I watch them when they probably don't realise they're being watched, which sounds incredibly yeah. creepy. So you're very intuitive. <laughs> you, you must be in, very intuitive. Oh, I'm just intrigued. Yeah, I'm intrigued. So if I'm standing back and there's a group of twenty people and they need to walk through a door, I'm often watching. Mm. Who's going to hold this door open? Yeah. How's this going to play out? Who's going to say thank you? Yeah. And I I find that to be uh, inspirational. At times, damning. Mm. Uh, but something that I really, really enjoy watching play out and people surprise you. Somebody who, you know, wearing a badge or a fancy hat or a lovely tie or some incredible heels might fail you. Mm. And somebody much more, uh, I guess, uh, seemingly insignificant might step up and, mm. and strike out and do something that's uh, invaluable in a leadership yeah. space. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm observant. I've had some very good teachers. I've had some very good uh, teachers in in reverse. So I've been exposed to some shockingly ordinary people, and uh, you can probably learn just as much from them, if yeah. not more, than you can from those who are outstanding. So yeah. I'd like to think that I'm always open to taking on new stimulus, mm -hmm. new ideas. That yeah. fluid mindset is something that I'm proud of. Uh, that I have, that I possess, and I, I work at it. Yeah. Where are you going to from here, Glenn? What, what, what are you looking for? I'm look going home. Yeah, what are you looking for? I will be <laughs> cleaning my house, and then uh, my girl will be coming home, and uh, we will be going to Star Wars. Oh, I've yeah. got her into yeah. Star Wars, so I'm You've really done very well I'm to, looking to forward to this Friday night uh, <laughs> ahead of Christmas to watch Star Wars. I absolutely love Star Wars. I can't wait to uh, well. see that film tonight. Uh, so you're up to speed with all the previous I, ones, obviously. I've watched every film probably 4,000 times. Wow. So I, I love Star Wars. Don't yeah. like Star Trek. Uh, a few people groan at that. Not a fan of Doctor Who. Uh, I've watched all the Fast and Furious movies probably 4,000 times each. <laughs> uh, I love cars. So... Um, what else do you do for a hobby, mate? Is well, anything to get to your question, yeah. beyond our podcast here and, and beyond this moment... Uh, I'm looking forward to spending time this weekend uh, working on a new little car that I just bought. 
Uh, I got a message from Spotify the other day that I've listened to something like 11,987, I think it was, uh, minutes of music this year. Uh, that's just on Spotify, uh, <laughs> let alone everything else that I listen to. So I'll continue to listen to music yep. uh, over this weekend and uh, basically prepare myself for Christmas and 2018. And uh, I know your question was based on what am I actually doing next as a person. Well, in 2018, I've got two books uh, to bring to marketplace, which I'm really excited about. Uh, one in particular is going to be uh, just phenomenal because it's a playlist of yep. my life. So it's all these okay. songs that have had a huge effect on my life mm-hmm. and the stories that are attached to them. And uh, there's some stories uh, to, to bring forth that I've never told before, uh, which really will be cut wrenching yep. i'm sure people reading this book will just be blown away by wow. the stories that are told they really are unbelievable so that will be a great project to be a part of continuing my work in schools and innovating in that space is, mm-hmm. is something that's going to be yep. fantastic and breaching uh, uh, branching out the western australia and some of these tops of well the yeah look, if, I can, yeah. if i get the opportunity to to work in kalgoorlie and so forth that'd yep. be just fantastic to mm-hmm. do some of this work in that space and and also uh, abroad and whatnot definitely need a holiday in 2018 so there's some discussion about getting to mexico mexico in, right. in that uh, space and look just pushing boundaries on all sorts of things that i do but yep. again I've answered your question very poorly because the truth of 2018 is it's going to be a very, very special year watching my children. Uh, my oldest son have his opportunity to play AFL football. So yeah. Who's he with? I'm, he's I'm, with Carlton. Yeah. So he's actually gone away just yesterday. So we're recording this on a Friday. So just mm-hmm. yesterday, Thursday, I'm not even sure what the date was. I think it was the 12th, wasn't it? No, no, it was the uh, 14th of December. So 14th of December, he's gone away for a week with the Carlton Football Club to Queensland on the pre-season yeah. camp. So How old is he? So he's turning 18 in 2018. Yeah. And is he looking like getting a berth? In the near future, do you believe? Time will tell. Yeah. Is he tall? Like he's you? about six foot two. He's about yeah. my size. Mm-hmm. Um, time will tell. Yeah. You've, you've got injury, you've got expectation, you've got year 12, mm. you've got all sorts of things to get through mm. uh, in 2018. And touch, touch wood, wood yeah. uh, he's able to successfully navigate all of that. But there are no guarantees. Just yeah. because your father did something doesn't no. mean no. you will do it. And you wouldn't uh, want that. No, you? and he that. has to be able yeah. to hold on to his passion as well. Yeah. So... More importantly, 2018 than anything I'm looking to do personally, mm-hmm. there's his future. Yeah. Then there's my middle son who's currently in New York mm-hmm. uh, over on a basketball tour with the Melbourne Tigers. Oh, so fantastic. there's his step up into prominence. Mm-hmm. They said that he'd be six foot nine. Mm-hmm. So I imagine the next 12 months, that's going to be a really solid growth period for him. Will he reach that mark? Mm-hmm. Uh, is basketball... Uh, something that he continues to want to do. I certainly think it would be great if he pursued it because he's, I think he's superbly talented. Mm. Uh, but that's something that will play out in 2018. And, of course, my daughter, who personally, in some respects, I think could be the best athlete of the three of them. She's the youngest. She's the yeah. youngest, and she'll be turning 15 next year. Yeah. Uh, How are you finding that, Because I've got a 16-year-old I, daughter. I, I adore my daughter. She's a, um, She's a real barometer for my emotional well-being she gives me an enormous amount of her person on a daily basis and uh, is incredibly generous very very funny beautiful person whom you're very close to her by the sounds of it i'm close to all of my children i absolutely adore them i I 
you know, I can't yep. think of, like, you know, you asked me what's next for me. That was your initial question. Yep. And to be quite honest, I really couldn't give a shit yep. compared to what's next for yep. them. Yep. Um, you know, my life <laughs> is essentially a tool for them to better their lives with. And, and I love that. And I yep. love the idea as I do for all the people I work with, yourself, Dylan. Yeah. Um, I would love to have Dylan come to me and say, Glenn, I heard that you ran... Uh, you know, a one kilometer time trial in two minutes 45 and mm. I just ran it in two minutes 40. Yeah. I, I don't go and sit in the corner and cry about that yeah. or get angry. I get excited about yeah. that. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's awesome, Dylan. Yeah. That's cool. What else can you ruin of my <laughs> legacy? You know, yeah. and, and I just I say that with tongue in cheek, but yeah. I, I love the idea that my kids or anyone else is going to look at me and say, well, he did this and that yep. wasn't bad, but if I did that, I reckon it could be better. And they've learned off you and implemented yeah, Fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's not about me. You know? I, you yeah. know, I think you realise that once you've lived a little little while in this world, that mm. it's actually not about you. It's about what you can give to other people and yeah. how you can yeah. help them grow and, and be successful. And I get just so much excitement out of watching my kids play their sport the right way mm. and uh, work towards their goals. I had someone recently talk to me about you know how many games of afl football i'm getting to a year and the answer is generally not many yeah. if any because i'm busy on a friday saturday sunday monday tuesday wednesday's generally day off thursday friday chasing these kids around making yeah. sure they get to their sport and obviously performing at their sports so that's my 2018 probably in a nutshell there watching them grow yeah. and uh, and move forward in life and it would be a, a great thrill to think that one son is playing AFL football, one has reached his NBA basketball goal, and mm. my daughter, uh, well, she wants to play netball. We'll see how that plays out. But, yeah. um, you know, wouldn't that be amazing oh, to yeah. see them do that? Mm. Yeah, and I, I, I can relate to you being a father as well. My, my, mm. my lad loves his sport. My daughter's good at school and loves her sport. And I, I'm like you. Yeah, I just love to see them balanced, mm. improving, and do things better than I than yeah, I did absolutely. it. Now, well, I couldn't... I couldn't uh, do this podcast without, uh, without asking you about your mentor, mm. uh, Cooker. Was that his yeah, nickname? That's his nickname, what the Cooker Barrel. Why did he grab young Glenn Manton and put some time <laughs> into him, do you think? Well, look, we could <laughs> literally talk all day. We're, we're already uh, a, a long way into this podcast. I'm actually not going to answer that question beyond saying that that there is an extraordinary, I, I think it's a, a wonderful piece on YouTube now called The Kookaburra, yep. which is this, the title of a TED Talk that I yep. did, which will tell your listeners about yep. the, I guess, the initial meeting and then the outcome yep. between The Kookaburra and myself, Alec Epis, who played for mm -hmm. the Essendon Football Club, was a, a legend of AFL football. Uh, why did he put time into me? He often says that he just saw something special in me. Yeah, I love that. That's it's good. nothing more, yeah. nothing less than yep. that. He just decided to invest in me. Mm. Uh, he's offered similar investment to other people. He offered the similar investment to Matthew Lloyd, mm -hmm. uh, the Essendon great. Matthew Lloyd took it. Yep. He offered similar investment to other players uh, of various levels. They didn't take it. Mm. It just seems strange that Matthew Lloyd, who was already a great player yeah. and a great person, decided, well, I think I can learn something from this guy yeah. too. Yeah. And yet some other guys uh, felt they'd already made it without mm. taking on that information. So uh, Matthew Lloyd and I, despite the fact that the world would probably like to think there were arch enemies, we share a common ground. Yeah. 
being Alec Epperson, the fact that mm. both of us said, wow, all right, I reckon this guy it. can give us something yeah. uh, of, of real value. So, what, What's one thing about Alex that you... Alec or Alec? Alec. Alec. What's one thing about him that you admire the most? Is there anything that stands Just out the, with him as a mentor or as yeah, a guy that helped you? Absolutely. I think the number one thing was that uh, he was non-prescriptive and there was no other agenda there. Mm. I knew he wasn't getting paid to do what he was doing. Yep. He was doing this for his own reward within himself as a person, uh, you know, I guess knowing that he'd given to another human being. And uh, you know, I think when you have relationships with people like that in your life, particularly when you're a young man and you're trying to understand why would someone do this? And you go through a checklist and you think, well, what's he going to get? Is he getting money? Uh, actually, no, he's not. Okay, that's weird. Mm. Uh, is, he, is he getting fame and fortune out of this? Uh, well, no, he's not. Okay, mm. well, he, he's still wanting me to spend time with him. Uh, is it costing him money? Well, it appears to be. So he's, he's still doing it. It's costing him time. So why would he do this? And, and you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to figure out he's doing it because... He cares mm. and the, the he sees something in you. So mm. once you establish that there's no other agenda mm. and that the agenda is you, yeah. that's a pretty incredible point to reach. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty powerful thing to feel back from someone else, I'd imagine. Absolutely, because mm. your parents are semi-obligated, aren't they? <laughs> Certainly your, yeah. your, your teachers yeah. are, they're getting paid to be there. Yeah. Here's essentially a random person saying, you're of value and I'm investing in you. Mm. And as I said, when you put it on a spreadsheet and break it down it's costing them time and money yeah that's right so why is this happening wow it must be something very genuine mm. which it proved to be and continues to you still keep in regular contact i'd imagine all the yeah. time yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah tells me how good he is every second day yeah all right man well, i guess i've probably taken up way too much of your well, you time we did have some other little <laughs> questions there so I'll, um well I'll, you I'll, don't I'll, have to answer them no, i think gonna, we've covered a lot i'm going to quickly go to them because you <laughs> You wrote them to me in a text message. And I've learned a lot today, Glenn. I've learned a hell of a lot. <laughs> Let's have a look. Here he And I probably would never do that again. <laughs> what are your favourite three quotes and three you've people given, you've you given would love to have dinner with? That, well, that interests me. Three people you'd love to have dinner with or any couple, just a couple. What are your favourite three quotes? I just don't you've do gi- quotes. You've given me a few, I'm though. not interested in quotes. <laughs> uh, it's not something that really gets me terribly excited. Yeah. I like it when people speak off the cuff. Yeah. I yeah. like it when I see somebody... Uh, essentially lose it yep. and just really, really give you the raw guts of it. Yep. Um, somebody that is a classic in that space, <laughs> of, I always laugh when he tries to be something he isn't, and that's David Park. And I, I was going to ask you about him. Well, yeah. he often has these moments when he's... Because he's essentially a professional speaker too. Yep. But he has these moments when he speaks publicly where he's pretending to be this... Uh, I guess level-headed, low-key, quiet human being, but invariably he snaps. Yeah, I've seen it. I'm and the it. level-headedness becomes, you know, the brash talking and aggression. And uh, I, not that I see that as negative at all. I, I find it's real passion. Yeah. Uh, and the the jugular vein pops and so forth. And then in those moments, I'm really attracted to that mm. because I'm I feel like I'm seeing the real person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he speaks in an untoward fashion. Yeah. I don't think he's uh, rude at all. Uh, I just love it when that passion is yeah. spilling freely. Yeah. So I will say, man, I struggle with that bit. I really do. I struggle at work trying to hold my passion. 
yeah. hold, hold well, my initial thoughts or my genuine thoughts. And it bugs me because well, that's not me. To be, you you know need I mean? to be tempered. There's no doubt. Yeah. I've learnt that over in the years. workplace, particularly, but, I guess. But but, but it I changes do. you sometimes. I Absolutely, think. you need so. to spring it free. And and look, I've reached a point in my life, and in my business is a good example where I explain to people, you are hiring Glenn Manton, you are engaging Glenn Manton, mm. and this is the way he goes about his business. Yep. Yep. Are you comfortable with this? Mm. Yes, you are. Terrific. Let's proceed. No, you're not. Well, then that's fine. You look for someone else who yeah. is going to share the PowerPoint presentation, yeah. who's going to give you the monotone yeah. version. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Nah, you're sti- that's being bold, like we talked to at the start. Need to. So three people I would like to have dinner with. I hate to say this because I'll uh, probably get in trouble for this down the track, but I'd be pretty happy if it was just me one-on-one with Gwen Stefani. That would make me <laughs> quite happy. Uh, there are so many extraordinary people on this earth. There really are, mm. uh, and past and present. Uh, to be honest, in the gymnasium before I came here, they were playing some Jimi Hendrix, and you think to yourself, what would it be like to have met Jimi Hendrix? I yeah. mean, what, what sort of character yeah. would he yeah. be? what sort of character would Donald Trump be? Mm. To sit down, I'm not sure that I'd want to break bread with the guy, but I'll tell you what, it'd be terribly interesting Interesting. to meet this human being. So the list literally goes on and on and on. That's a good three, mate. Of people, well, no, I would not have those three people (laughs) at the dinner table. As I said, I'd I'd be quietly taking Gwen out on her own. I'd probably be sitting somewhere and listening to Jimmy and uh, I might be trying to convince Donald to um, eat with me near a bridge so I could push him off. Uh, what are the three things you would want your children to say about you at your funeral? This was a good one only because I've thought this through many, many times before. So I wish to die in a field of wheat. I have no idea why that's the case. I think it's something that springs forth from being around old persons' homes and people in uh, that sort of environment and or hospital and whatnot. Just such desperate environments, sad environments, and yeah. the idea that that's where I would pass really makes me feel quite yeah, ill. I can relate to that. So yeah. I, for whatever reason, have imagined myself dragging my body out to this field of wheat, which I guess I see as a, a, an open, free space, yep. and having my children and potentially a dog around me. Uh, first time I've heard that dog yeah, bark, it's actually. a very barky little dog. It must be been dead, it's not far away. Yeah. Um, to have my children there yeah. to, to look upon me. I, I don't know that I need any words mm. from my children or my partner or yeah. my girlfriend, or probably at that stage, my wife. I just need to have that look, that look of, you know what, dad or, yeah. or babe, you did everything you said you were going to do in terms yeah. of love and support and I love care that. and yeah, so did everything forth. you said you would do. That's, That's brilliant. right. So the integrity is important there. Yeah. Uh, what are three things you would say to a 13-year-old Glenn Manson? Wow. I was going to say three-year-olds. I love my favourite number is three, Glenn. Everything's in threes. What's yep. the top three? I was going to say three-year-old, but I'm not sure a three-year-old would understand much. Well, I wouldn't say anything to a uh, three-year-old Glenn Manton, as you said, because he, he probably wouldn't take too much of it no. in. Uh, the grade two version of Glenn Manton, who was uh, essentially six years old, I went to school a little bit early, uh, he was an outstanding person, so I wouldn't say much to him. 13-year-old Glenn Manson, I think, was still a pretty damn good version. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15-year-old Glenn Manson was still okay. It's more the 16, 17-year-old Glenn Manson that yeah. wasn't so great. Uh, what I would say to him, I already have many, many times uh, inside my own head, and, and that is about understanding the value of relationships real relationships quality relationships being able to communicate well 
and more than anything that you have to develop a knowledge of self who mm. are you what are you about what are your values what's your outlook what are your uh driving mechanisms etc etc if if i could go back in time mm. start and working share on that, that and that share age. that information yeah. then i think you know it'd be version 2.0 sitting in front of you here now yeah. but for hindsight's a beautiful thing isn't exactly it? right for whatever reason i went through what i went through and let's be honest in terms of uh, the effect I have on young people now and people in general with stories and so forth, maybe it wouldn't be there. Mm. Yeah. And uh, to think that I might have swum for Australia or played baseball in America or football here and won gold medals, World Series and AFL premierships and Brownlow medals and not gone through any real adversity mm. probably ends up being of less value to the community. Yeah. So whilst there are a myriad of regrets in my life and things that I would like to change, I can't. I don't move backwards. Uh, sometimes I tread water, which I find very, very frustrating, but more often than not, I step forward, even if it's inch by inch. And that's the way I'll continue to live my life. And uh, to think of going backwards, even to reminisce around these sorts of questions is, is almost redundant. Yeah. Yep. Good answer, mate. Um, I think we should maybe wrap it up wrap here. Wrap it up. Well, I don't want to. I'll, I'll give you a one minute if you've got one minute's worth of curveballs. You go hard Ooh, at curveball. it. Curveball. If you want one minute of curveballs, I can find myself heading home and getting into the uh, the cooking and cleaning and preparing myself <sighs> for Star Wars. I've got to get my costume ready for tonight. I don't know what I'll go as. I want to go with something pretty spectacular. I curveball. won't, of course. Curveball. One, what's probably the worst thing you've ever done? Worst thing I've ever yeah. done is certainly not something that we're going to be sharing on this <laughs> podcast because I've done a lot of bad things in my life. Um, I, I, betrayal of myself and, and other people. I mean, you know, I can clearly remember, clearly remember as I can with just about everything in my life, uh, getting a knock on the door one, I think it was, was actually a Friday afternoon, uh, and opening the door and seeing Mrs. Edgar at the front door and Mrs Edgar was the mother of Shane Edgar and at primary school I'd uh, tipped him into some punishment for something that he did not do and Mrs Edgar had come around to um, have a word with my parents about what I'd done and the sheer betrayal of somebody who was my friend and I remember the fact that you know Shane if he happens to be listening was a quiet kid mm-hmm. he's a good kid uh, he'd never done anything untoward to me, but when the uh, the guillotine was about to fall, I quickly made sure that it was his his head underneath it. And that sickening feeling that goes beyond the punishment or the embarrassment, punishment from my parents, embarrassment of Mrs. Edgar and Shane being there, but that really sick feeling, which I must say, I think maybe does remind you that you are a decent human being who made a mistake, mm. who did something yep. foolish and uh, regretted it. Uh, I guess if you didn't get that feeling, maybe that <laughs> means that you've yeah. got some sort of psychopathic tendency. But um, I just remember that sick feeling of, oh, I just betrayed a friend here. And, and truthfully, our friendship was never the same after it, nor yep. should it have been. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know that... Uh, yeah, that 11, age loyalty is important to you. I was going to say 11 or 12-year-olds probably don't have the greatest level of forgiveness there. No, or the... Yeah, all but, the intelligence to know what they're doing, unless, you know, emotional intelligence. But that feeling of betraying someone for yeah. no good reason yep. was, um, was, was always difficult to overcome. 
Let's move to a quick positive then and mm. finish off uh, the last curveball. On the other side, what's the greatest thing you've ever done, do you think? What's the greatest thing Glenn Manton has ever done? Again, think? stuff that's not relevant for this podcast yeah. because it's done in the dark. Yeah. It's done in the shadows. It's done without anyone else knowing. Uh, small, little, little things, small mm. things. If you want to take it back to the... Uh, time in which I played AFL football, it could be something as small as going around and locking everybody's locker at the end of a session without anyone knowing <laughs> that and then leaving. Or it could be you know, stopping uh, to help someone on the side of the road because their car is broken down. Like, uh, Again, I'm not trying to grandstand with these things, but no, no. these are the things to me that are spectacular in people. Mm-hmm when they do that sort of stuff and you know again to use my daughter as an example when she's traveled back with the family and she's fallen asleep in the back of the car and she's genuinely tired and she's had a long day and all the rest of it and uh, there's every reason just to get out of the car run inside and jump into bed or relax on the couch and basically not give a shit Mm -hmm. she'll ask is there something i need to carry inside can I help here? What can I do here? I can see that she's tired and whatnot. They're, to me, they're the the beautiful things. And we're, we're always wanting to reward people with this incredible uh, exclamation point for their work around something large. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the large things are the easy things. Mm. Yeah, the large things you that know? people take note of or everyone's just patting on the back just for. The, just the little things. Yeah. and. You know, I can the little s- things of the person, though, aren't they? Well, well yeah. Well, look, I can see looking over at you that you're a fit, healthy, strong man, and uh, being a firefighter. Not, not that I've been one, but I imagine that that involves a fair bit of drudgery that most people don't appreciate. Yeah. Yep. Whether it's uh, rolling a hose or yep. cleaning this or cleaning that, so it makes sense to me in my mind that as your friend, as your father, as your mentor, as your bosses an observer, whoever I might be in your life, that I'm smart enough to recognize that the next time you go to the fire and you put the fire out and everyone's satisfied because it was attended to so quickly, so correctly, and it was extinguished with such ease that lives were saved, property was saved, time was saved, that it really came down to the fact that the hose was rolled correctly, Mm. that the truck was full of petrol. that everyone was in a a right state of mind to go and attend this fire. This person didn't have to go and find their helmet. This was, et cetera, et cetera. The little things that are done that no one sees. All those little things. Mm. And as you say, that that rolling of the hose, no one remembered who did that. But Mm. you know, Mm. you know it was you. You know that you did that. And you know that you did that when you actually probably could have clocked off and the next man or woman could have come and rolled that hose. But you knew that that was the right thing to do. So... A life lived trying to your best level to perform those tasks, specifically the ones, or or more importantly, in your own world, the ones that really excite you. So whether it's tending your family or your job or your health and fitness, I think they're the ones that you get really, really excited about because you know that you worked for that result. Yep. And when no one else saw it, you didn't get paid for it. There was no lights, camera, action. You can be very, very It's satisfied. a long-term commitment to something. It's not just a quick thing you did. It's a long-term Absolutely. commitment. Glenn, 
Thanks so much, mate. I just it's want been to a pleasure. finish off with an appreciation, an appreciation for you Thank and you. what you do for the young people in Australia. Appreciate I think it's that. incredible. There's not enough people like you. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you for your sense of humour. You know, you, you bring that, 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 oh, that, who cares? Who cares but let's have fun, you know, and let's not, the difference probably not the words I'm looking for now. Now I've chatted to you, it's more let's, let's just be bold and mm. do some different things. So I really appreciate you and appreciate your Thank time. You. Appreciate and it. thanks very much, Mark. Thanks, Pete. Well, what an interview. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation with Glenn. I just didn't want it to end. Um, he was so genuine, so open, so authentic. He's all the things that he says he is. I can guarantee you that after my couple of hours I spent with him. Um, I hung off every word. His storytelling ability is, I hope you agree, is so fantastic. And he really engages my, my listening um, and communicates so effectively. I can, I can really see why he is as good at what he does. So please get behind Glenn, get onto his website and also his Instagram account and, and let me know what you thought of today's podcast. I'd love an email and some feedback. I haven't had any emails or feedback from any of the podcasts yet. So please go to petetakos.com and reply there. Send an email from there or petertakos at hotmail.com. Please send me an email with your feedback on the podcast. I'd love to hear it. So thanks for listening. I hope you listen to this at night while you're in bed or on your way to work or even on a long run or bike ride. And I hope you get a lot out of it. Today's conversation was, I thought, was fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it helps you become the person you're meant to be. Thanks, guys. Bye for now.